morning, if you have any, if you've had questions in your heart this morning, maybe you've said to yourself, if Jesus was really who he said he was, how come everybody didn't believe him? Why did the religious leaders reject his message? This question rings across centuries. This morning, I think to myself, how is it that you can have a family where one goes out as a missionary and then the other is an, is an atheist? How is it that you can have in the same home a husband that doesn't believe in the Lord or has is, is turned his back on God and a wife that fully has devoted herself to the Lord? How is it that these things happen? This morning, I want us to explore this. I found a parable that I believe explains some of it. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 and 3, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by a lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow a seed. I want to give you a, just a quick little setting here. He is on the, the shore near Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is being followed by such a large crowd that even the common and the Pharisees are following him. And he probably gets into either Peter or Andrew or James or John's boat and he pushes away from the shore and he sits down and he begins to teach the people as they stand on the shoreline. And it's springtime, it's the time of sowing. A farmer is seen in the distance, maybe. And Jesus thinks, and he he gives this story. And in those days, they didn't plant a row of crops. He would simply scatter them. He would take them out of his bag, and he would scatter the seeds out from there. And so it's springtime, and he's thinking about Jesus, calls attention to something that's very common, something that they had seen every day. And he tells them these things in parables, it says. A parable from childhood has always been one of those things that we couldn't quite understand. We think of it as one of those earthly stories that has a heavenly meaning. It literally means, the, in, the, in the, the Greek, it means to throw alongside. The New Testament dictionary says it signifies a place of one beside another in view of comparison. So Neil Lightfoot, he says it like this, and he comments, a parable serves two purposes, one revealing and the other concealing. Revealing truth to those accepting and appreciating it, and concealing it from those who are attacking and abusing it. My focal point of this parable has always been on the sower. I've always tried to use it as our explanation. Okay, well, that's the, the reason why is we can explain it is because the sower's throwing out the seed and some believe and some don't believe. But I want us this morning to look at just a little bit of a different thing because before we can move forward, I believe we need to see a couple things here. There is the same sun that waters these, that, that shines on these seeds. It is the same water, it is the same seed, and it is the same sower. So what is different about all this? The parable of the soils would be better be a better name for it. The parable of soils in Matthew, and he, he be, we begin to see this picture of him throwing the seed. And there's four kinds of soils that the seed goes into. And as he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came along and ate it up. Some feeds, some of the seed fell along the path. In, the, in Israel, it would have been very easy to understand what Jesus was saying there because there were no fences, there were no roads. It was simply like these little paths that would go along into the, to the, um, the, the crop, in, in, in where they were growing things. And so as they would walk along, they would trample it down. 
And if the seed would fall on that area, then the birds would come along. And Jewish, the Jewish part of them was, would understand that the birds would be the, the evil one. The birds would come along and, and grab those seeds and that they would, some of them wouldn't even make it to the ground. But due to the frequent foot traffic, the paths would was caused the, the ground to be hard. The concept of this good and bad soil is something Jesus, they, that they understood because in their day, planting was very important. If they didn't plant, they didn't eat. It wouldn't be like us today. We don't understand that. We go to the store and we pick up everything we need. But in their day, if the, if the, if the seed did not take root, they may not eat. So it had a, a, a consequence to it. Leon Morris, in his commentary of, of Matthew, he calls the soils an illustration of more of the careless hearer. The hearer knows that there is some spiritual truth here intended for his prophet, but since he does not act on it, he soon finds what he heard is lost. The failure to attend to the message and find out what it means results in total loss, first from the me- of the message and ultimately of the hearer. The message here today is that it is the careless hearer. Those who are not able to digest what God is saying to us. Every rejection is one step closer to losing the spiritual truth. Matthew, he begins to talk about that then a little bit later in that chapter. He says, whoever has will be given more and they who will have, a, who will have, have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This morning, the farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. There's two, it's interesting to me here, is that some of us, maybe we are like those seeds that have been trampled on. Maybe our lives feel like we've been trampled on. Maybe we feel like we've been abused or offended. Maybe we've just had it difficult in life at times. Our soil is our hearts. Maybe you've been harmed, but instead of becoming hard and calloused, let the pain and the difficulty dig a new furrow in your heart. Allow that thing that, that, that has troubled you, that place of difficulty, to dig a new furrow in your heart so that God can use that place to grow what he wants to grow in you. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much, much more in my abundance, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I believe that this, this parable is not one of those things like maybe I first thought was like, okay, it's just this immediate salvation and that's it. I believe this parable is talking about our lives in a season. That there's a, a lot longer span of time that's going on when you see these seeds being, being strung out. Pain and difficulty makes another furrow. They can, it can be the very disc that loosens the soil and allows you to grow spiritually. Ezekiel 36 said it like this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and careful to follow my laws. You know, what's interesting there is I was reading that and he says there, he says to move you. As if we can't move on our own. See, the reality is, is we can't. We won't. Our hearts are deceitful. 
Our hearts are far from him. Without his moving us, we will never. Well, I've come to him. No, you, you know what? He brought you. He grabbed a hold of you. The reality is that's the case. He, his spirit moves us. This Hebrew word means to accomplish. His spirit will accomplish to make you be able to follow his decrees. Because on your own, you will not be able to do it. See, because it's impossible without him. Without his spirit's motion. Without his spirit's motivation. His power, his instruction, his urging. You say, well, Greg, let me ask you, well, how, where is that in the Bible? For it is God who works in you to will and act according in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is his motivation in us. I will supply the will, he supplies the power. He is the catalyst. Nothing good lies within me without him. He works in me, through me, to accomplish his good purpose. That first soil, the hardened ground, could be us today. If we allow the trampling that has happened in our lives to allow that soil to become hard and calloused. The second type of soil, he says in verse 5 and 6, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. The rocky places is not so much a place where there was rocks all over on the outside because they wouldn't throw seed out there. It was because the rocks were underneath. There was a limestone base that allowed a very, very shallow piece of of dirt on top of it. And it was in this reception point that these roots would take hold quickly, but they would not be able to stay because when the sun came, in fact, Luke talks about it like this. He says, some fell because they had no moisture. It wasn't because there was any difference in the rain. It was because that ground, because of the rock underneath, it would warm up during the day and it would dry out all that little, that little layer of soil. The seed lacked any growth. And it would be scorched, and it would be unproductive because of its depth. Not because there was no water, but because it had failed to hold the moisture of the water of the Holy Spirit. See, some people reside in this place, constantly regrowing in shallow soil. Quick roots, and then they die out quickly again. You've seen it. You've seen people who come along. In fact, they're the first ones to broadcast everything that's going on spiritually in their life on Facebook Look what I'm doing. Look how I'm doing. Everything's going like this and great. And then all of a sudden we turn around and then what happened to them? They're right back in the same place they were. The roots were quick. They grabbed a hold of and they were sprung up. And at times we as Christians, we look and go, woohoo, that's great. And reality is they dry out very quickly. What's the solution to this? Humility is the solution. Humility is the plow that goes deep to pluck out the rocks that lay within the shallow undergrowth. When we lived at the coast, we had a, a, a field out in front of the house. And it didn't grow very good. So I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to take the till and I'm going to till that thing. So I began to till. And all I tilled was rocks. Every time I turned around, there was a new rock. I, had, I was growing rocks, actually. I, was, I grew a whole field of rocks. And we would go out there and we'd, have to fill the, we'd fill the bucket up. And then I'd go dump them. And then I'd till some more. And then I brought out more rocks. 
And I'm like, How, when does this end? But a lot of times, that's the soil of our hearts. We're quickly, we can quickly grow, but then we quickly fade out. I want us as Christians to not be a fast burn, but to be a slow burn. That we burn stronger and harder in the end than we did at the beginning. I'm not interested in how fast you can come up and, ex- and, and be expanding and be all this great stuff. I want to see that that thing goes and moves forward and forward and continues to grow. Jeremiah said it like this. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. He was talking about our hearts. Hosea, another prophet, said it like this. Sow righteousness for yourself. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. The third, that, that, that seed, the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, the last, they last only a short time. Jesus goes on to explain it in the last part of this chapter. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. It's interesting to me, I, did, I thought I would do a quick word study on these words. When trouble Trouble means here pressure, a narrow place which hems one in, especially internal pressure that causes one's, someone to feel confined without options. Hmm. How many times have we found ourselves in that place? Man, Lord, I don't feel like there's any way out of this. I don't know how many times I've heard people who I see in this rocky soil exactly doing this right here. They get hemmed in, and then they're gone. The second word there that was interesting to me was the, the word persecution. In the Greek, it means to, to follow in pursuit of, in, in, in relation to persecution. It's literally to hunt to bring someone down like an animal. Wow. So we get, when we get hemmed in and when we get hunted down like an am, animal, that's when we give up. Did you know that our Christian experience looks like that at times? Some of you go, yeah, I've been there. (laughs) I feel like that. I'm on the run. The last word that he uses there is fall away. And it literally means to set a snare, a stumbling block, to hinder right conduct or thought, or to cause to stumble, literally to fall into a trap. So what does this, all this look like? This third type of soil. We, this is the second type of soil. The third type of soil is in verse 7. It says, The other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Some of these thorns, see, it's, it's, it's not that they were covered on the outside with thorns. It was that which would attack the roots. It's figuratively, all these things that he talks about are an underground problem. The plants would intertwine with the roots below. The seeds would choke them out. And all of a sudden, their heart, you begin to see what's going on in our heart. It's some place that we don't see. In fact, I've said this. If you run with wolves, you will find yourself howling. Paul writes it to this in the New Converts in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. He says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful so that you do not fall. 
He talked about these seeds. Jesus explained it further in the last part of that chapter. The seeds falling among the thorns, he refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. So Hebrews, Paul said it like this. He says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and no bitter roots grow up to cause trouble and defile many. It's interesting that the Lord uses the illustrations of the roots because really our heart is the resemblance of roots. It's that deeper part. It's the part that we don't see on the outside a lot of times. In Blomberg in his book, Interpreting the Parables, he says this. He says there's three things going on here, the major points for this parable. Like the sower, God spreads his word widely among all kinds of people. The second is like the three kinds of unfruitful soil. Many will respond to his word with less than saving faith, be it a complete lack of positive response due to the enticement of evil. Temporary, superficial, masquerading as true commitment. Genuine interest and conviction about the truth that simply falls short due to the rigorous demands of disciples, discipleship. And that's the truth. It is one thing to be a believer. It is another thing to be a disciple of Christ, a follower. It's easy to be a fan of Jesus. It's easy to be a fan of all the things that he's going to give us. But it's a different thing to follow him in your life completely. The third thing he says is like the unfruitful soil, the only the legitimate response to God's word is obedience and perseverance, which demonstrates true regeneration. The reality is, is when, we've, when it's really taken hold in us, obedience folds out of that. Which heart is being produced in you? Has the cares of life, has the thorns of life, those underground choke points strangled you? In plain English, let me say it like this. There are three types of heart. There are three types of hearts here. A hardened heart, a shallow heart, and a strangled heart. I've been hurt. I'm a hardened heart. You don't know how I've been hurt. I'm tired of hearing this message over and over in. Someone told me long ago, I'm just not feeling it anymore. And so they don't come to church anymore. This isn't how I feel at this moment. It's not about an attitude of the moment. It's about an attitude of your heart. Responsive, receptive, soft, and pliable. The shallow heart lacks depth of roots to take hold. The rocks of the underground prevent, us, prevent the moisture from allowing us to take root in Christ. The strangled heart are the things, the relationships, the people, the attitudes, life that will strangle God out. Jesus talks to each of the, about each of these seeds and he warns us in John, in John's, John the, the Baptist says it like this, produce fruit in keeping with repentance in Matthew 3, 8. So the final soil is this in verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. This is a scripture that many like to use and go, okay, let's talk about how we're going to all be rich and, and everything's God's going to give us all these things. But you see the reality of this is, is obedience in us will produce a crop of righteousness within us. It will produce within us a godliness that will be outstanding among us or those around us. The heart is called that deep inner part. And I'm going to, I was deciding whether I was going to share this story in April 29th of 1992, I was working downtown Los Angeles. It was the night that the, the riots broke out. 
It was not a good place to be. It was actually chaotic. You, we had guns in our car and everything else, and I was still literally scared. And I remember a man running up to us, and he had been sliced open completely. His entrails were hanging out. And I remember I was thinking of, of the word and how the Bible talks about the heart being that visceral part. The visceral part is that gut, that inner part of us. And EMT knows that to, to be able to treat something like this, the only thing you can do is you don't go push it all back in. You take a moist dressing and you apply it over it and you hold it in place. It reminded me of how God wants us to operate in the place of being cut open is that he doesn't he wants us to take the holy spirit that the fluid that moist dressing and hold it in place until you can get healing God wants us to walk in this place where our hearts are not hardened Yes, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, it says that this ground was cursed. But Jesus came to bring us a freedom from the curse of the law. Our pain, our tragedy, our difficulty, our humility, all till the ground to keep that hardened heart off of us. I asked this question in the beginning. Why the difference in our hearts? Why Jesus, why he was preaching, why did not everyone believe? Why would they turn away? Jeremiah 17, 9 says it like this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The four things that till our hearts, the practical ways. His word tills our heart. Prayer and meditation tills our hearts. Worship tills our heart. Loving one another tills the heart. It is God alone who saves. It is his grace which is sufficient for us. Many who heard this parable left without him that day, though. Many were unmoved, unchanged, or temporarily changed. Jesus said it like this in the last part of that. He says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. He says that their hearts are calloused. Do you know what this word in the Greek means? It means thick fat. Having an insensitive heart, uh, an an unfeeling heart, really truly talks about a thick, excessive fatness on our heart. I thought, well, that can't, how does that even make sense? Well, then I looked in Psalms 119.70, it says, their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in your law. The King James Version says that their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. Proverbs says in this, it says in 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows out of it. What kind of soil do you have today? Your heart has an an inherent bent towards doing wrong. It will gravitate towards doing the wrong thing. It will gravitate towards revenge, anger, bitterness. It will try to always constantly make you think of those things of how you've been done wrong. 
But if we feed the seed of diligence and watchfulness over what God has for us. Luke 8.15 said it like this, and he's talking about the same story. He said, but the seed on a good soil stands for those who with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Once again, see, I went back to, I was thinking to this whole idea of season where it's not just this immediate, when I always would think of this story, I would think, oh, it's, it's, a, it's the immediate salvation process. No, it's really talking about per- producing a, and persevering so that we produce that crop within our lives. It's the long term. It's not short term. That's what he's telling us. This morning, as we close I have a song we're just going to sing. And I'm going to pray over you when we're done with that. But let this song just be that heart's cry for you. Because what my heart is, is God, send your rain on us. We're those seeds. Send your rain on us. So that we can grow. Spiritually. Emotionally. Physically. And financially. It's all a part of that, yes. Not one, not one over the other. But God truly wants us to be different. He wants us to be his likeness. And that's what he's calling us to this morning.